MSW Media. Thanks to Avast for supporting the Daily Beans. With Avast One, you can confidently take control of your online world by helping you stay safe from viruses, phishing attacks, ransomware, hacking attempts, and other cyber crimes. Learn more about Avast One at avast.com. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. Today, another bombshell committee hearing is in the books. Twitter has sued Elon Musk for trying to back out of their $44 billion deal. The Overstock CEO Patrick Byrne has agreed to meet with the 1-6 committee. The 1-6 committee has started handing over evidence to the Department of Justice and more allegations of witness tampering. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Ooh, big hearing today with the January 6th committee. I'm going to go over that, all the little things that I found to be important. I didn't focus too much on the former Oath Keeper and the guy who pled guilty to the uh, attack on the Capitol and their testimony, although some folks said that, you know, it, it was moving or they were relatively impressed by what these fellas had to say. I don't like either of these guys, but um, that's just me personally. And also, I noticed, and it's been reported, that at the end of the hearing, Ayers, who was the one who pled guilty to being at the attack on the Capitol, went up to and hugged the officers that were in the front row. I was seated next to these guys for the hearings that I that I attended. And I was there at Harry Dunn's invitation. Harry Dunn was there, Rogers and Gannell and Fanon. And I I noticed a lot of people were putting that out and saying, oh, how nice. That's nice. But, you know, Harry Dunn tweeted, apology given, dot, dot, dot. And Fanode told CNN, you know, well, that, that makes him feel better. That's great. So I don't necessarily know that that was welcome. But uh, the gesture was made, apparently, today. So uh, I'm going to talk about the hearing. And there was a lot revealed today. A whole lot. It was it was pretty rapid fire in the second half of that hearing. And then after that, I'm going to get into the good news. And so if you have any good news, please send it in to me. You can do so at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I would love to hear from you. And uh, we've got a lot to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So as you know, I was not in the room today for the hearing, but I live tweeted it and was following it very closely. I'll share with you the standout moments to me. I know there's a lot of news organizations out there that say the five key takeaways. Here's what we thought. Here's what you should think. I have my own kind of ideas about what was important. First, the entire half of the hearing laid a foundation for the second half of the hearing. And all the previous hearings kind of laid a foundation for today's hearing. That second half of this hearing is when the fireworks really started to happen. Now, Cheney opened by saying that the hearing would take us from December 14th which is the day, the day the election is over. You know, that's when the folks meet and certify the results and, and uh, sign their cert- certificate for electors. And uh, so between that day, December 14th, leading up to the attack on the Capitol, that chunk of time. And the attack on the Capitol will be the focus of next week's hearing, by the way, which has been scheduled now, from what I understand, though not officially by the committee, but the committee has said it will be Thursday, July 21st in prime time. 
Now, the first half foundation was set by once again showing all the people, including now Patsy Baloney, Patsy Baloney, who testified that they all told Donald he lost and should concede. And even Meadows had said he should concede. Cheney said Donald's potential defense was that he was only listening to the advice of his advisors and was, quote, poorly served by them. And that would be an attempt to put all the blame on people like Eastman and Clark, who have plenty of blame, but not all the blame. But that's what Donald is probably going to try to do. She said that defense is nonsense and went on to say, quote, Trump is a 76 year old man. He's not an impressionable child. He is responsible for his own actions. And that's kind of powerful because she knows Trump, right? We all know Trump. And he's basically, you know, never going to admit that he's an impressionable child. And she set it up that it's going to be one of those two things. You're either a 76-year-old man responsible for your own shit or you're an impressionable child. So that, I thought, was, that was a good strategy. Now, early on, the committee brought up the December 19th Will Be Wild tweet which played a central role in the hearing today. It was, it was the star witness. And I previously discussed that. I said that was going to come up quite a bit today. And then after that, Raskin brings up the volatile and almost near violent December 18th meeting in the Oval Office that included Patrick Byrne, the Overstock CEO, Hirschman, who almost got in a fight with Flynn, I guess, Cipollone, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, Flynn, and others, and how they brought a draft executive order to declare martial law and how they brought a draft executive order to maybe declare martial law, have the secretary of defense seize voting machines in key swing states and to appoint Sidney Powell as special counsel. Now Raskin then laid the foundation for the timing of the will be wild tweet. He said, Donald frustrated by his team, normal advisors, you know, Pat Cipollone and Hirschman, not willing to go along with his crazy voting machine plan or the Powell thing or the Flynn thing. That meeting was so contentious. So right after that, within like within two hours of that meeting ending, which ended after midnight, he tweeted the will be wild tweet, which, according to the committee, set in motion a series of events. And then they laid those events out. And this is where I think we got the first bit of big news. This was a big flashbang for me and is yet more evidence that even Team Crazy knew there was no evidence of voter fraud. And that's that Rudy's lead counsel, Bernard Carrick, emailed Mark Meadows and conceded, hey, we can look for evidence later. We can investigate later. What we need to focus on now is moving the legislators. And that makes sense since Donald told the Department of Justice to just announce the election was corrupt and that he and Republicans in Congress would, quote, do the rest. And Justin Clark, a Trump attorney, and the same lawyer, by the way, that was questioned by the FBI in the Bannon contempt case, told the committee, Justin Clark told the committee, that Rudy didn't have any evidence, and Hutchinson testified that Meadows knew there wasn't evidence of voter fraud, and moved on at that point, she said, seemingly to focus on the Eastman plant. Now, after that crazy December 18th meeting, Donald sent the Will Be Wild tweet. And within hours, Raskin says, Cindy Chaffain rescheduled her rally from after Inauguration Day to January 6th. Ali Alexander registered wildprotest.com. Alex Jones promoted January 6th protest. And, and I told everybody it's good, you know, come, we're going to take the country back. Tim Poole, another right wing podcaster, promoted it. Matt Bracken told his audience to occupy the Capitol on January 6th. A guy named Salty Cracker promoted it, calling it the Red Wedding. 
Antario created the MOSD, which we've talked about, and began planning the assault on the Capitol with those guys, the Proud Boys. We also got testimony from a former Twitter employee who disguised their voice, who said, my concern was that the former president was speaking directly to extremist organizations and giving them directives, and that he was worried Donald was using Twitter to incite violence, and that Twitter didn't stop him because they loved being the conduit for it. And the former owner of the Donald.win, which is a website where a lot of this planning went on, told the committee that after the tweet, everything else was shut down and the focus was on January 6th. Bring handcuffs and wait near the tunnels. Body armor, knuckles, shields, bats, pepper spray, whatever it takes. And that sort of ended the first half of the hearing. They took a recess. And that was just the setup. And then the first big hit of the second half came right away with the news that hours after the tweet, Kelly Meggs declared an alliance among Oath Keepers, Proud Boys, and Florida Three Percenters. Within hours, Tario launched the encrypted MOSD chat, and they worked with Trump allies, including Flynn. And then they showed several pictures of Flynn with a bunch of Oath Keepers. They brought up the Friends of Stone encrypted chat group that we've reported on here at the Daily Beans, where Stone was communicating with the likes of Rhodes, Enrique Tario, and Ali Alexander. And then one of the biggest stories of the day, the evidence that the attack on the Capitol and Donald telling his mob to head to the Capitol was planned in advance. It wasn't just a spur of the moment thing he thought of at the last minute and stuck in his speech, right? That's his defense. But the committee showed a draft tweet that they got from the National Archives that said, for this is a draft Trump tweet, I will be making a big speech at 10 a.m. on January 6th at the Ellipse. Please arrive early. Massive crowds expected. March to the Capitol after. Stop the steal. And that's huge. And it's not the only evidence they presented that this plan was known about well in advance. Kylie Kramer sent a text to the pillow man, Mike Lindell, on January 4th saying, this stays between us, but POTUS is to just call for it. He's going to just call for it unexpectedly to march to the Capitol. And the fact that she says this stays between us shows intent, doesn't it? And Ali Alexander texted right-wing media on January 5th, tomorrow, ellipse, then U.S. Capitol. Trump is supposed to order us to Capitol at end of his speech. We shall see. And in an email from Mo Brooks to Mark Meadows setting up a meeting with members of Congress for December 21st, White House meeting December 21st regarding 1-6, Only citizens can exert the necessary influence on senators and congressmen to join this fight against voter fraud. Now, according to the White House visitor logs, that meeting on December 21st was attended by the following members of Congress. Harris, Biggs, Matt Gates, Louis Gohmert, Gosar, Harris, Jody Heiss, Jim Jordan, Scott Perry, and Marjorie Taylor Greene. And these members of Congress were discussing the Eastman theory. And Cipollone confirmed all of this in his testimony, that the Eastman theory had no validity. And on January 4th, Eastman met with the president and the vice president. Cipollone tried to go to that meeting, but was turned away. Quote, I did walk to that meeting, and I ultimately did not attend. The reasons for that are privileged. And then another bombshell. White House call logs show that Trump spoke to Bannon the morning of January 5th. And right after that call, Bannon went on his show and said, all hell is going to break loose tomorrow. It's not going to happen like you think it's going to happen. All hell is going to break loose. And uh, Judd Deere testified that Donald told them 
on the evening of January 5th that the crowd the next day was going to be fired up and angry because of the stolen election. And he knew that because he could hear a rally being held in Freedom Plaza right outside on the evening of January 5th. And he asked them to open the doors to the Rose Garden so he could hear the rally. He knew the crowd the next day would be fired up and angry. And Flynn, Stone, Jones, and Ali Alexander all spoke at that Freedom Plaza rally on 1-5. And Trump spoke to Bannon again on the phone around 10 p.m. that night. Then we learned that Donald had some lines about Pence in his ellipse speech, and Hirschman advised him to take them out. So he did. But then Donald had a call with Pence, that call with Pence where Pence informed him he wasn't going to go with the, along with his plan. And that's when Donald added the Pence stuff back into the speech. And finally, the story of the day, another, quote, witness tampering, unquote, warning from Liz Cheney. And this is alleged witness tampering. Uh, She announced that Donald Trump himself called one of their witnesses right after the last hearing with Cassidy Hutchinson. A witness Cheney says we have not heard from yet at all. And that the witness did not take the call, but told their lawyer about it. And then their lawyer told the committee about it. And then the committee referred that information to the Department of Justice, which kind of answers my previous query about whether the committee told the DOJ about the Hutchinson intimidation, which we have to assume they did if they did in this case, because this time the call wasn't even made. I mean, it was made, but it wasn't answered. In the Hutchinson one, she, she took those calls. And as you know, I believe, though no one else is talking about it, maybe it's because I'm nuts, I don't know. I think the DOJ is investigating obstruction of this committee. As evidenced by the subpoena, The Department of Justice sent Navarro asking for his communications with Donald Trump about his committee subpoena and the DOJ obtaining Bannon's lawyers call and email records. That's Costello. And there's been no one that has asked the DOJ if they're investigating obstruction, nor would the DOJ say they were if they were. But Cheney confirmed today that the Department of Justice knows at least about this latest episode of Donald himself attempting to call a committee witness. Now, folks have asked me who I think the witness could be. I really have no idea. It's someone we haven't heard from or seen yet. There are a thousand people that have testified before the committee. Though if he was prompted to call after the Hutchinson testimony, it had to have been somebody she mentioned or that her testimony reminded him of, made him, made him think about. I'm not sure. I went back over her testimony. I can't figure it out. I don't know. But the next January 6th committee hearing will be next Thursday, July 21st, during prime time. That's according to three sources familiar with the planning. It'll be the eighth in a series, as we know. Benny Thompson declined to say after today's hearing whether next week's hearing would be one of the panel's last. If it would be the last. He didn't say, but he did say it would be the last one at this point. (laughs) So we don't know. Thompson also told CNN today, that the committee has started producing information to the Department of Justice relevant to the DOJ's request for interview transcripts. They've started handing over the interview transcripts, which is good because they need those to look for consistency. And former Overstock CEO Patrick Byrne, who was mentioned today during the hearing, was at that meeting, that December 18th contentious meeting. He's an ally of Trump is expected to meet Friday with the House Select Committee investigating January 6, 2021. That's according to three sources familiar with the matter. There have been no ground rules or topics to find. Uh, The meeting will be behind closed doors as as per usual. I should say per usual or as usual, not as per usual. Excuse me. (laughs) Spokesperson for the committee declined to comment, as did an attorney for Patrick Byrne. 
Byrne played an active role supporting efforts to question and push baseless claims about the 2020 election, including attending that meeting at the White House that I talked about. Flynn was there. Powell was there. And um, it focused on the ideas to block Joe Biden's certification. White House officials in the meeting pushed back at ideas, as we know, in heated exchanges. So that'll be interesting that he's testifying. Now, this is a new story, and this blows my mind. This is from Mother Jones. This is exclusive reporting. And on the evening of October 31st, 2020, so before the election, Bannon told a group of associates that Trump had a plan to declare victory on election night, even if he was losing. Trump knew that the slow counting of Democratic-leaning mail-in ballots meant the returns would show early leads for him in key states. That's the red mirage. His strategy was to use this fact to assert that he had won while claiming that the inevitable shifts in vote totals toward Joe Biden must be the result of fraud. They saw it coming. They knew about it. And, and, quote, what Trump's going to do is just declare victory, right? He's going to declare victory, but that doesn't mean he's a winner. He laughed and he told the group, according to audio of the meeting obtained by Mother Jones, he's just going to say he's a winner. Quote, as it sits here today, Bannon said later in the conversation, describing a scenario in which Trump held an early lead in key swing states at 10 or 11 o'clock, Trump's going to walk in the Oval, tweet out, I'm the winner, game over, suck on that. That's what Bannon said. Trump's plan to falsely declare victory while tens of millions of votes were still being counted was public knowledge even before the election. Axios reported on the scheme at the time. Bannon himself discussed the idea on November 3rd, Election Day, in his War Room podcast. Weeks earlier, Bannon had interviewed a former Trump administration official who outlined how Trump would use allegations of fraud to dispute an electoral defeat and would seek to have Congress declare him the winner. Last month, the Congressional Committee investigating January 6th detailed how Rudy convinced Trump to go ahead with the victory declaration after 2 a.m. on November 4th over the objections of campaign staff. Frankly, we did win this election, Trump insisted in that famous news conference, or infamous, I should say. The nearly hour-long audio obtained by Mother Jones is new evidence that uh, Trump's late-night diatribe, which came a few hours later than Bannon had anticipated, followed a pre-existing plan to lie to Americans about the election results in a bid to hold on to power. The new recording stands out for the striking candor and detail in which Bannon describes a scheme to use lies to subvert democracy. Bannon also predicted that Trump's false declaration of victory would lead to widespread political violence, along with crazy efforts by Trump to stay in office. Bannon and his associates laughed about those scenarios at various points in the recording. And of course, Bannon and his attorney, Robert Costello, did not respond to questions about it. And Twitter is suing Elon Musk. Sued filed the lawsuit Tuesday to force the billionaire to complete his $44 billion acquisition, setting the stage for a prolonged legal battle over the fate of the social media service. Musk agreed in April to buy Twitter, but declared last week he intended to walk away. To push Mr. Musk to abide by the acquisition agreement, Twitter sued him in Chancery Court in Delaware. The court will determine whether he remains on the hook for the purchase or whether Twitter violated its obligation to provide Musk with the data he requested, entitling him to walk away. Quote, Musk refuses to honor his obligations to Twitter and its stockholders because the deal he signed no longer serves his personal interests. Quote, Musk apparently believes that he, unlike every other party subject to Delaware contract law, is free to change his mind, trash the company, disrupt its operations, destroy stockholder value, and walk away. At the heart of the case is the issue of disclosure. To terminate the deal, Mr. Musk claimed that Twitter balked at handing over information about spam bots, also known as fake accounts, on the platform. 
He repeatedly said he did not believe the company's public statements that roughly 5% of its active users are bots. Twitter intentionally misled the public, he said, and obstructed his efforts to get more information about how it accounts for those figures. Musk has also taken aim at Twitter for not giving warning before recently firing two key executives. But Musk signed a legally binding agreement with Twitter, and in that contract, Twitter included a specific performance clause that allows it to sue to force the deal through so long as the debt that the billionaire has corralled for the acquisition is in place. In a letter to Musk's lawyer on Sunday, Twitter's lawyer said that his move to terminate the deal was invalid and wrongful, and that Musk knowingly, intentionally, willfully, and materially breached his agreement to buy the firm. The company has said that it's confident its figures about spam accounts are correct, and that it uses experts in spam to audit the account and ensure its accuracy. In its suit, Twitter argued that Musk, who also leads the automaker Tesla, as we know, wanted to exit the deal because of changes in the stock market that affected his wealth. Tesla's stock has fallen quite a bit in recent months. Twitter said the billionaire used his complaints about bots as a pretext to wriggle out of the agreement. Musk also broke an agreement not to publicly insult Twitter executives, and he covertly abandoned his efforts to secure debt funding for the deal. In doing so, the social media company said he breached his obligations to use reasonable best efforts to get the deal done. Twitter is seeking a four-day trial this September. The deal has a deadline of October 24th to be completed. Should the transaction still be awaiting regulatory approval at that time, Musk and Twitter would have another six months to close it. All right, we will be right back in a moment with the good news. And if you have any good news, please send it in at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, y'all, it's AG. As you know, I used to struggle with falling asleep and staying asleep until I started using my custom mattress from Helix. Helix Sleep has an online two-minute sleep quiz that takes just a quick, it's so easy and it's so user-friendly, and it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. They have several different mattresses to choose from, soft, medium, firm, cooling down, you know, body temperature regulating mattresses, which are great for hot flashes, by the way. Spinal alignment mattresses. They have a Helix Plus mattress for plus size sleepers. I took the quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm bed. And all of my sleep problems have disappeared. I love it so much. Helix is awesome, but you don't have to take my word for it. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And Helix has been recommended by leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine to solve your sleep problems. So just head to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take that two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They'll even ship it to you for free. And if you don't love it, they'll come and pick it up and give you a full refund. But you will love it. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 sleeps without risk. And they have financing options available at Helix. And they have flexible payment plans, too. So it's, you know, they'll work with you. And Helix right now is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. So you can get rid of your my pillow pillows. Two free pillows. When you go to helixsleep.com slash daily beans, again, that's helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash daily beans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. And it's not just important to protect your sleep. It's important to protect your identity and your data online. And that's where Avast has you covered. Avast has been a global leader in cyber protection for over 30 years, 30, and is trusted by over 435 million users and has prevented 1.5 billion attacks each month. Avast empowers you with digital safety and privacy no matter where you are, who you are, how you connect, and it allows you to enjoy the opportunities that come now with being connected on your own terms so you feel safe. 
Introducing a Vast One. A Vast One is their best protection yet, giving you everything you need to take control of your safety and privacy online. It's accessible through a single, easy-to-use interface. Avast's privacy features keep your identity and actions hidden while you're online with their security solutions to stop malware, phishing, and virus attacks help protect you too. And their performance products clean up and speed up your devices amazingly so it makes your life safer and faster. Avast even has a free version that includes all the essential features such as free antivirus, free VPN, and free firewall protection because everyone deserves to feel safe and secure. Some of my favorite features are the firewall protection, keeps my personal information secure, stops attacks that seek to access my computer and steal my data, and the ransomware protection. It secures photos, documents, and other files from being modified, deleted, or encrypted by ransomware attacks. Thanks to Avast for supporting the Daily Beans. Confidently take control of your online world with Avast One. It helps you stay safe from viruses, phishing attacks, ransomware, hacking attempts, and other cyber crimes. You can learn more about Avast One at avast.com. Just check it out. You have to check it out. Avast.com. You'll be glad you did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to tell me how dumb you think Louis Gomert is, we want to play What the Mutt or Find the Cat or send me pictures of your happy place, Halloween photos, Santa photos, Easter bunny photos, whoopee photos and stories, your whoobies and your loveys. I would love to hear that too. And if you have a small business, let us know. We'll give you a shout out. And um, that'll be awesome. I love all the stuff you guys send me. Thank you so much. You can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. I'm going to kick us off here with Katie, pronouns she and her. Hi, Beans Queens. I'm a longtime faithful listener from Alberta, Canada. Hello. I started painting a lot more during the pandemic, and it's naturally morphed into a small pet portrait business. I've had the opportunity to create cat and dog portraits of all sizes and budgets, all while listening to the Daily Beans and Muller, she wrote. It's been such an honor. I absolutely love it. The pandemic was so isolating and lonely, it's terrifying. But picking up an old hobby, I was able to connect with people all over the world. I want your listeners to know they're not alone. And if you ever need a pet portrait, I'm your gal. Oh, wow. This is absolutely beautiful. Oh, kitty. There's a dog and a kitty. Oh, and look at these ones on pieces of wood. You're really good. I can see the personalities here. I don't have any information on where people can get a pet portrait. Katie, send that in if you didn't uh, already, and I'll find out from our producers. But thank you for this. These are amazing. I want my kitties done. All right, next up from Issy, pronoun she and her, a quick note about the rabbit test. Ah, yes. It may be a bit distressing, but the pregnancy test when I was young went like this. A person who thought they were pregnant went to the doctor and had blood drawn. The blood was injected into a rabbit. If the rabbit died, the woman was pregnant. Hence, when I was a kid, saying the rabbit died meant someone was preggers. Love the show. Keep on keeping, making us laugh in this insanity we're living in. For my pet tax, one shot of the best puppy in the world, helping me change the sheets. <laughs> and, uh, and a shot of my phenomenal hubby took, that he took a few weeks ago of a campmate in Nevada. We've been on the road for 12 years taking pictures of this amazing country, meeting people from every walk of life. Our website is visualrecord.us. It has a few shots of our visual journey for, of the United States. Enjoy the beauty. Oh, look at the puppers. 
Ooh, goat. A ram. Those are big horns. Oh, it's beautiful. He's looking right at you, too. Does it, that has to be hard to keep your head up with that much horn. Anyway, next up, uh, we have a correction, sort of, from Anonymous. Dear Alice and Dana, I'm a longtime fan and patron. I look forward to opening my email every morning and listen to your podcast on my daily commute. Your comedic approach helps me to put in perspective the news I heard on Morning Joe while getting dressed. Having said that, I'd like to point out something I noticed Allison say on your Sinking Ship July 7th podcast that I think needs correcting. At some point in your interview with Megan Hatcher Mays, you pointed out the reason that Obama's administration couldn't codify Roe was a significant portion of Democrats in Congress at that time were pro-life. So many of the pundits have pointed out numerous times that Democrats are losing to Republicans when it comes to messaging. By adopting the term pro-life, the Republicans have brilliantly positioned themselves so that their opponents would be considered anti-life or pro-death, even if it's not said. Every time I hear a Democratic politician, a newscaster, or a pundit use that term, I cringe. The last thing we need to do is help them by adopting their messaging. Let's see if we can't redirect the messaging by adopting our own terms anti-choice and pro-choice. They're more accurate to the situation since the right to choose is actually what we're talking about here. That's very good. Or anti-privacy and pro-privacy, right? On that note, how about we reach out to your listener base and ask them to be on the alert for cases where the Republicans have adopted terminology that puts Democrats on the back foot and offer their own creative alternatives. It might be a fun exercise, and who knows, we might hit some alternatives worthy of going viral and supplanting the originals. I wish I had pet uh, pet to offer for pet tax. Instead, I'm sharing two photos taken by my husband last month of a nest of baby robins who briefly inhabited our porch before they were old enough to fly. You'd be amazed to learn that this entire process from hatching to flying took just about a week. Not even enough time to give them names. Aww. Hi, robins. I love robins. Oh, so pretty. So cute. That's a nice nest. That's like a, that's like an Aristotle's perfect form bird nest. That's real nice. Well done. Next up from Jane, pronouns she and her. Hello and greetings to the bean pod. Love the show. Thanks for all you do. I have a confession, a misheard song lyric and a happy place and a pet tag. The confession. I've had a few days when I didn't want to engage anymore with the news and only listen to the good news segment of the Daily Beans. It was good medicine. The misheard song lyric, Electric Light Orchestra's Evil Woman from the early 80s until early 2020s. I thought the song was about a medieval woman. This made perfect sense to me as a kid. The song is awesome and it rocks. And in my childhood at the height of coolness, the height of coolness was a medieval woman in a pointy princess hat. So, of course, a medieval woman would inspire such a great song. ELO was hitting the right nerve uh, a few years ago and I began streaming their music, which is when I realized my beloved medieval woman song was actually titled Evil Woman. Finally, I'm sharing pictures of my sweet and fierce kitty, Lily. The first is taken in our happy place, the garden. Oh, cool. A twofer, happy place and a cat. Keep up the good fight. You are appreciated. Thank you, Jane. <gasps> Look, uh, a long haired calico. She looks so sweet. Oh, that garden is beautiful. I love the stepping stones. Oh, that's nice. Mm. Thank you for that. That is a happy place. Next up from Anonymous, he, him, hey, you. Uh, this is the other self-correction that I could not remember when I wrote to you. <laughs> Since it's a self-correction, I don't need to praise myself, so I'm foregoing the shit sandwich. When you sign off, you talk about MSW Media. At the point where you say the network is dedicated to news, politics, 
My brain just reads ahead and fills in and swearing. And I'm routinely blindsided by and justice. <laughs> swearing is justice, Anonymous. I blame it on almost always listening in the morning before my ADD meds or my caffeine is kicked in. And my brain is in a strange place in those circumstances. Uh, anyway, stay rad. Keep up the excellent analysis of the news. You make complex things understandable. Thank you. That's a huge compliment. And your expertise in the nuances of law gives great perspective on the implications of all the weirdness going on. Again, thank you. Thank you so much. Next up from Stacy. Random, but every time I see Patsy Baloney, I read it as pasty baloney. Not sure why my brain sees it that way, but it does. <laughs> Pet tax. My three kitties, my three horses, two warm bloods left and center, and a thoroughbred, right? And my two pups. Pit lab mixes, perhaps? Oh, you have a tuxi and a void just like me. And then there's a gray kitty. I want that gray kitty from yesterday still. Oh, these are beautiful horses too. Oh, so pretty. I had a buckskin once, but I'm, neither of these, none of these are buckskins. I just am reminded of horses. And then the dogs. Yeah, lab pity mix. Oh, so, so cute. With the smiles. Thank you for sending these in. I needed that, Stacy. I appreciate you. I appreciate all of the good news that you sent in. Thank you so much. Uh, if you can get me the name of your pet painting business, um, I will put that out there, Katie. And I would love to share that with everybody because these are amazing portraits. And uh, again, you have anything you want to send in? Pod pet tax, adoptable pets in your area, happy places, anything you want. You can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. And thanks. We've gotten a ton of donations, by the way, for patrons helping patrons. Bunch of people buying people strangers, one year premium subscriptions for 36 bucks. So there's a, a few available. If you want to get on the waiting list, that's the same thing. Dailybeanspod.com. I will be back tomorrow and we'll see what kind of news hits the rest of this week. It could get real quiet or it could just be crazy. I don't know. We'll find out. And uh, I'll be here to tell you about it until then. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health and vote blue over Q. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>